Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, this is Cheats from the Cheats Movement Podcast. I am so excited for you to hear this special podcast episode with Todd Parnell, a.k.a. Parney of the Richmond Flying Squirrels. There is a disclaimer. Part one of the interview was recorded the Thursday before opening day weekend. And part two of the interview was recorded the Monday after opening day weekend. So as you know, leading up to opening day in Richmond, Parney has a million commitments he has to do. He had to leave our interview, believe it or not, to address the team. So we were really excited and obviously really wanted him to go do that. So part one is before opening day weekend. He was gracious enough to let us back in for part two, which is Monday after. After opening day weekend, the Richmond Squirrels that weekend went 3-0. and They were undefeated, and they are still on top of the world. So we're really excited about all that is to come this season with the Richmond Flying Squirrels. And I'm very excited for you to hear this amazing interview with Parney of the Richmond Flying Squirrels. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Cheats Movement Podcast. As always, the Cheats Movement is brought to you by the Family Podcast Network. I am so excited because, ladies and gentlemen, if you live in Richmond, you know this week is a big opening weekend for our hometown Richmond Flying Squirrels. We have with us... I think I'm in Parney's Pub here. You are in Parney's Pub, buddy. I am. I'm in Parney's Pub. I'm joined by none other than Todd Parnell, who is affectionately known by everyone we know here in Richmond as Parney. Parney, welcome to the Cheats Movement. Cheats, I'm pumped to be on this show. I was so excited that you invited me, and I told Trey. Trey's normally like, he'll tell me about somebody like, yeah, I'll do it, I'll do it. And I'm like, yo, are you serious? I get I to be on th- I can't believe this is the first time that we've done this. I can't believe it either. Uh, for now, in a number of years, uh, you know, I consider you a very good friend, me and, too, and buddy. I really me too. and your family and just love I family indeed. Yeah, this is over thirty. We're about to start over thirty seasons of baseball. Thirty four. Thirty four. Thirty four. It's hard to believe it. Like I, I was, uh, I put a, a note in this in the playbill. I put a letter in the playbill, and I started out with but with the Kenny Chesney song. The title of the song is "Don't Blink." And I really feel like in my career, I blinked. Mm-hmm. And I went from being this skinny young kid in Reading, Pennsylvania, to this fat, bald dude in Richmond, Virginia, uh, overnight. But what a career it's been. And for me, it all started with my dad taking me to minor league baseball games in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I won't go through the whole story, but this is. Please uh, do. We uh, have time. Uh, when I was 10 years old, my dad took me to see the Charlotte O's. Eddie Murray was the first baseman for the Charlotte O's. One of my favorite players of Hall all time. Hall of Famer. Right? Amazing man. Uh, I was mesmerized by him. And I still remember a bunch of the players on that team that never made it, including the right fielder, Drungo LaRue Hayeswood. <laughs> it's really funny what you remember. Absolutely. Uh, but baseball is a game of memories. So anyway, there was this one person that was all over the ballpark, ubiquitous, if you will. I don't know what that means, but it sounds like a really all good word all to say. All over the ballpark. And and this guy was everywhere. And finally, I asked my dad who it was, and he said, I think he's the general manager. I'm 10 years old. I had no idea what that meant. And so he started explaining it to me. So you see that fence sign out there? He did something called advertising. He sold that advertising banner 
to that company. You know, when they go out on the field and they do the promotions, back in those days, a big promotion was when you put your head on the bat and spin the bat and you spin 10 times and you fall down. That was like a creative promotion back in 1976. Uh, he said that's called a promotion. He and his staff do that so we have a good time at the game and we laugh together. And then he pulled out the ticket. So you see this ticket? He did something called marketing to make me want to come to the game with you, my son. And then I looked at him, I'm like, do you think that guy gets paid, Dad? And he's like, yeah, he gets paid. I'm like, let me get this straight. This guy's job in life, he wakes up every morning and he gets to drive. He gets to drive to a minor league ballpark, and that's what he does for a living. And my dad said, yes, that's what I'm telling you. And I looked at my dad that day and said, wow, that's got to be the greatest job in the history of the universe. And now we're, we're literally 48 hours away from me starting my 34th season of having the greatest job in the history of the universe. And I tell that story at every speaking engagement that I have because that's kind of the foundation. People look at me all the time in like bewilderment, like where do you get the energy from? Where do you get the passion from? Barney, that is, that is amazing. <laughs> and that's a fantastic story. When you think back on it, especially as you come into this weekend, what makes year 34 different? <laughs> In the previous year. Well, you're going to get me emotional. Um, as you know, because you were very kind to me, uh, and, and the Senator King was very kind to me, my father passed away August the 5th, and this is my first baseball season as an adult without my dad. So that's the first thing that, that makes it different. But I think also as you get older, um, you know, you kind of reflect on – stuff that you're grateful for more you know the, the the things that maybe used to trigger me uh negatively don't trigger me as much and I'm, I'm really grateful like people ask me all the time you got to be so mad that you're still working in the diamond and and do we need a new ballpark look you're a huge fan of ours you huge know you, you know we need a new ballpark we need it's, it's not a want it's a need we must have but I'm really proud of what we've accomplished here in the Diamond. Like, we've gone through so much adversity here. The fact that in 2022, we led all of AA baseball in attendance in the Diamond is just something to be really proud of. And, and I think, um, you know, even though you asked me the question what's different, the things that I'm grateful for are the relationships, which are different in the sense that maybe there's some new people. Like right after we're done, I'm going to go address the team. So out of our 25-player roster, there's 14 returnees. That's 11 new relationships that we're going to build throughout the course of the season. Then, of course, the attrition of injuries and ups and downs and all that. So I look at every year as an opportunity to build new relationships. And for us, the way we do it, not only is our careers all about relationships, but our life is all about relationships and the memories that we can make on a daily basis just by coming to the yard, coming to the park. We make, we make memories on a daily basis, whether it's April the 5th or December the 5th. We're going to make memories here today. You mentioned a, a big loss coming into this season. You also had a very big gain in many ways. We want to talk about... You are now a, a married man. <laughs> now that we know that you've had a long time relationship, and and, and and that's it. But but you're going to this season as a married yeah, married that, man, that, and it is you a, set me up for that it one. Is cheats. A big, it is a big gain as well. Is there a difference? Is there a different married party than than non married party? At Not with Tanya. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Tanya's amazing. Uh, so before we met, we met. 
Ironically, because of the because of the new ballpark, mm-hmm. I went to the the mayor's office uh, back in uh, 2012. Uh, Dwight Jones was the mayor, mm-hmm. and Tanya was the assist, executive assistant to Byron Marshall. Mm-hmm. And and I told this story at the wedding. Uh, as she walked out, I was like, "Whoa!" And the people that were with me are like, "Don't even think about it." I'm like, "No." <laughs> what you, are these friends? These I, friends didn't give you advice. I'm yet. like, "You're too late. You're too late." <laughs> Uh, and as I said at the wedding, I'd been out a little late the night before, so things are a little <laughs> groggy. And and she said, "Gentlemen, do you uh, do you need coffee?" And I looked at her and I went, "Does this need coffee?" And she goes, "I'll bring you some water." And we've been together ever since. But here's the, here's what I wanted to tell you: before we met, Tanya had been to two Squirrels games, one each, one the first year and one the second year. Uh, since then, this woman has been to every single Squirrels game. Oh, wow except for a day game during the week when she's working. So uh, it's not different in the fact that she's been the most supportive person in my life since I met her, and she continues to be the most supportive person. Like, she took Friday off, and I said, why would you take Friday off? She goes, because it's opening day. You or the oh. staff might you might need help. You, oh, might, wow. you might need somebody to run an errand for you or something. So, uh, you know, that's the thing. Another thing I love about baseball, and I say it over and over and over again, we're like a family business, but – but we all have different last names, you know, except for me and Tanya now, thankfully, have the same same last name. But, but you know, I think that that's the culture and the feel that we try to have in the office. And then you as our fans feel that when you come in the ballpark. Hopefully you feel the warmth and you feel the love that we have, not just for each other, but our fan base. Because it's not words, man. It is the truth. Like, we love y'all and y'all love us back. It's a love affair. And that's what has made being here in the Diamond and doing all the great things that we've done in the Diamond. Uh, honestly, um, I'm grateful for it. Like, would I have wanted a ballpark in 2013? <laughs> I think we all would have. Probably, right? Sure. But I think that we grew because of it. And when we get to the new place uh, in 25, it's going to be that much better. You're going to be that much more grateful for it in 2025. Party, I did set you up, and you're a good sport for answer to that question. I'm very. very I, I can't wait for Tanya to listen to the Cheeks <laughs> movement, and I love you, sweetheart. You uh, you mentioned about to address the team. You talked about new kind of new players coming in. It's affiliate ball. It's Double A baseball. Every year, you're going to have kind of a, almost a new regime, if you will. Right. This year's a little bit different because you have Coach Pelf coming back, mm, so there's it. some continuity there. Talk to us a little bit about how does that make your life easier that you have some familiar faces more than kind of a usual season? Well, you don't have to go through a training day. Remember that movie Training Day with Denzel Washington and Ethan Hawke? That was a crazy, crazy nasty movie there at the end. But anyway, like I always joke, when you have a – well, and Pelf is one of the truest leaders I've ever met. He's a baseball manager, but if Pelf worked in a factory, he would lead that factory. He's that kind of a dude, right? Like he he's a born leader. Uh, To have him here – uh, makes me feel a little more calm because I know that across the hall in the clubhouse, that's going to be tight. You know, he, he has a schedule and those guys are going to listen to him and they respect him. And that kind of sets the tone. When you have chaos somewhere, that that makes it a little bit more difficult to run an organization internally and externally. So having Pelf back, to your point, is a key cornerstone for the whole year. Having the returning players that we have that were key cogs to the 2022 playoff season, that's also like I, I walked in there. They all know, like, party. They all know. They, awesome. they all know, right? Right. 
And that makes me, A, feel great as a human, but B, it sets the tone for when we have this meeting here in a few minutes. Half of them are already going to know what's going to come out of my mouth. They've lived it, you know, and it's going to help the other ones buy into it. And I really feel like, um, and I'm not just saying this, I really truly mean it. I, I said it on uh, our TV show Monday night. I think that the 2022 on-field campaign, making the playoffs, losing the first round, two games to none, but I think that set the tone. Pelf is he's a hungry beast right now. And I bought him a bottle of champagne when we made the playoffs, and I told him, you, you didn't take that home. He goes, of course I didn't take it home because we haven't won yet, we and we're going to pop that yep. when we win. Tyler Fitzgerald, first 2020 player in Squirrels history ever last year, right? Yep. 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases. I, I hugged him in the dugout during a John O'Connor interview yesterday, and and I said to him, are you all right? And what I meant by that was, you were the MVP of the team, right? and now you're back here. And he goes, no, 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 no. We got unfinished business to do. Exciting. And I want to lead that unfinished business. So I, I think that on the field, we're going to have an exciting season. And off the field, man, we sold opening night out with like like 16 days left. And if I have any frustrations, cheats, it's like some people don't understand that. Most people do. I know you get it. Yeah, absolutely. But that's an, an amazing feat, especially in a ballpark that was built during the Reagan administration. Right? And it's still one of the larger bar parks in the Eastern League, right? Uh, I think our capacity might be the largest. Yeah, it might be the largest. I, I think it might still. be the largest. Yeah. And that's what us putting those banners up on the top yep. rows. But I knew back in 2009, I walked up there to the top road. I'm like, bro, I am not. I don't want anybody sitting up there. This is way up there. Like I felt the hand of Jesus down on me on from the front row. But that, that's an amazing feat, knowing this history, knowing the the community, knowing how old the ballpark is, and the fact that I went to the opening. Uh, party, the opening party, and saw lines wrapped around the building yeah. for people that wanted to get tickets in advance. They wanted to be a part of the fan experience here. And I, mean, I, I got to say, the buck stops with, with the Benson right in front. You know, uh, I remember us seeing each other that day. And uh, that was one of the more prouder days of my career here because in year 14, that happened still. Yep. Like a lot of times in any relationship, you got to really work hard at keeping it fresh, Absolutely. right? You got to keep, and I'm talking, you know, marriage, whatever, anything. right? Anything, job, you got to work really hard at keeping it fresh. Our relationship with you, our fan base, is incredibly fresh. And I, I take a ton of pride in that because it's hard work. It's hard work for y'all as our fan base, and it's hard work for us uh, as the front office staff. So, uh, you know, that day, really, really ignited me, and it gave me a lot more confidence for what 2023 off the field is going to be like. And then when I, I was in L.A. at a speaking event, and they said they called me like, hey, we need a quote from you. We're going to announce a sellout tomorrow. And I'm like, we're 16 days out, man. That's crazy. And uh, so, so the tone has been set for this week. Friday night's going to be great. But I think Saturday and Sunday are going to surprise a lot of people too because from a business standpoint – there's there's consequential return from having that early sellout. Like now we're getting all this publicity around town, billboards all over the place, sure. and people are calling up going, hey, I need seats for opening night. Mm, too bad. You come Saturday. You're, you're two weeks late. You know, <laughs> we got fireworks on Saturday. It's got to be know, a great feeling. It is a great feeling, and, it's, and, and I love watching the younger people. I mean, look, this is my 34th season. Some of these people not only weren't born when I started – 
but they weren't born for 12 years. Right. You know, Carney Braggs, 22 years old. <laughs> you know, so in a lot of cases now, another thing that I love about my job is I feel like I'm working with my kids in some cases. And my daughter until recently did work in minor league baseball. I was incredibly proud of her. Um, but she changed jobs and she now works at Coastal Carolina where she went to school. But, mm-hmm. but to watch these kids grow and to watch – you know, Ben Rothrock, our general manager, Ben Rothrock was my intern in Altoona, Pennsylvania in 2002. And oh, now amazing. he's the vice president general manager of the Richmond Flying Squirrels, you know. So those are the stories that really as the old man, uh, that keeps me going. Brag a little bit, and we'll, we will move forward even more to this season, but brag a little bit about the end of last season as well. You broke attendance records, and you won a community award, right, uh, from all of minor league baseball. Yeah, and I, you've been really, and I'm not just saying this because I'm on the Cheese Movement podcast. <laughs> you've been really helpful to us in a whole host. Your friendship means the world to us, uh, and you've been a guiding factor in helping us make change uh, and helping us use our platform for positive good. And I always say when I speak on a national level, if you're an influential organization in your community, you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility. And, you know, there's a lot of people that say just, you know, stick to sports and all that. If you are a person that has a platform in your community, you have a responsibility. And I'm proud of the fact that we've taken that to heart. Uh, and we really try hard to be uh, always authentic about it and always real about it. And to win that award, we were up for two awards. One was Organization of the Year, and then the other was the Community Organization of the Year. And a lot of people were like, oh, man, you had to be upset not to get Organization of the Year. I'm like, no, I'd rather win Community Organization of the sure. Year. And and that, that award meant a lot to me and a lot to – Everybody that works here, and and look, our organizational philosophy, and everybody gets tired of me saying it, (laughs) when someone asks us to do something, you start it, yes, and work backwards from there. Because so much in life, when somebody asks you to do something, you can sometimes, at least me, I can see them trying to figure out how they're going to say no. I don't want to do that. But, But it's so refreshing if you start it, yes, and there's sometimes where you can't do it. Like I remember the the second year, 2011, we had uh, we we just wrote a big check for a new infield. It was like 100k. And um, the next day, somebody saw me speak that night. And then the next day, this guy called and said, "We want to do a tractor pull fundraiser on your infield." And I'm like, "There's, <laughs> that, dude, there's no way I could do that, <laughs> you know." Hilarious. But there's, we figured out ways to help them. And I think, sure. if you again, if you have a platform, there's always ways that you can help your community. Always. And I think that means a lot in regards to this particular community and this particular demographic of a city. And as you've been here for 13 years and growing, uh, I, I bet you probably witnessed firsthand, and I tell people this all the time, especially people that have lived in Richmond for a long time, Richmond went through almost like an uh, overhaul of self-esteem. Uh, I think the squirrels played a major part in that overhaul of self-esteem. And what I mean by that is wh- when I was growing up and I was a, you know, 18, 17 year old, it wasn't a badge of honor to say I was from Richmond, Virginia. Mm-hmm. People would kind of get to an age where they could move out and move out of the city and experience life somewhere else. And most people moved back. We always would laugh and be like, Richmond has this boomerang effect. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you know, I, I took a couple years off, but I came back. 
But I, I've noticed, especially over the last decade, and like I said, I think the Richmond Squirrels had a lot to do with this. After uh, losing a, a AAA franchise, being without baseball for years, the way that the Squirrels came in and was instantly about learning about the community and being focused on the community aspect helped give, I guess, Richmond a level of self-esteem that you now see everywhere. Everyone's proud to be from Richmond. Richmond is a cool place. It is. And that is not something that a lot of folks – you know, 20, 25 years ago could say Richmond was like now and you're like, oh, you go to this, you go to this, you go to this. And right in the middle of all of that, uh, that I think is an experience, not just for, for all ages, for all demographics and for all people, whether you like baseball or not, is the Richmond Flying Squirrels. So, so I appreciate you saying that. And I have so many comments based upon that. I remember coming here. One of the first experiences I had in town was somebody walking right up to me. Rosie Connolly's bar in Shaco Bottom. He walked right up to me and he said, "You're going to fail. <laughs> You're going to fail because Richmond is not a sports town." And I said, "You don't know what we're doing. We're going to not only succeed, but we're going to change the way people view sports in this town." And if you want to get into a fist fight with me now, tell me that Richmond's not a sports town. What did our friends at the Richmond Kickers do Saturday night? They sold out their home opener. What happened on Sunday afternoon at Richmond Raceway? A worldwide audience watched a nice crowd watch a NASCAR race. Um, you know, we watched VCU basketball play in the NCAA tournament. Eight champions. You know, we got we last year, last week. Unfortunately, because I love Mike Rhodes, we were on every national news channel in America because Rhodesy went to to Penn State. Now I wake up to we are text messages every morning from Rhodesy. Uh, <laughs> but but um, you know, there's a whole bunch of really positive things uh, that happen. Um, there's a whole lot of positive things that happen because I think a rising tide raises all boats, right? And and we collaborate a lot in the sports community. Uh, and the last point I'll make about that particular comment that you made is Richmonders didn't have a lot of confidence. And I do see now that Richmond – I don't know if we had anything to do with it, cheats or not. I think you had a major thing to do with it. And I'll tell you about it. I'll tell you about it late. Look. We're gonna go. We're gonna have to do part. We're gonna have to do part two. Okay. They're just, this is just too. Are they, you, are they looking for yeah. me? All right, everyone. As I told you, that completed part one of the interview, in which took place before opening day weekend. Now you're gonna hear part two. We're really gonna get into it, and this takes place the Monday after the squirrels have won three and zero. Opening day weekend has taken place. Cameron and I went to Easter Sunday game, afternoon game. We had a blast. So this is part two of the interview with Parney of the Richmond Flying Squirrels. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Cheats Movement Podcast. This is part two because we are coming back to you from Parney's Pub. If you were <laughs> listening to the first half of the episode You'll notice we had to stop abruptly, and we did. So the first half of the interview took place on Thursday before the Flying Squirrels opening weekend, and we are picking it right back up, second half after opening day weekend, and I've got Parney right beside me. Parney, how are you feeling? Cheats, you the man. I am mentally and physically exhausted, and I'm sitting here next to you rubbing my knee because <laughs> I took a spill during Parney's oh, pickup. Oh, no! 
And this 56-year-old body isn't as oh. good as it used to be. So I woke up in the middle of the night, and my whole body's sore right now. Oh, so, no. But we were happy to uh, get the season started. Unfortunately, we had some adversity with the weather on Friday and Saturday, really. Uh, it was so cold Saturday. Still had 7,000 strong here yep. on Saturday night. And then uh, we were we were happy to spend uh, the Easter we Sunday with your family. We spent Easter together. Yeah, and uh, – you know, it was a smallish crowd for Richmond, forty some hundred. Uh, but the spirit of that day really, uh, not only myself but the players. I was, I was. A couple of the players were hanging out afterwards, and they're just like, "It's so different here, man." And they all love it, and and we're rolling now, and we have a week to kind of go through some of the things that worked well for us as a staff and 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 tweak that stuff so that uh, when the team gets back here in uh, eight days. Uh, we'll be ready for the rest of the season. A little bit of adversity off the field, but no adversity on the field as the Squirrels are undefeated at the time we speak. The undefeated heavyweight champion of the Eastern <laughs> League. On, on yeah. track for, what did they say, 138? No. What an amazing team that you have. And like you said, and, and I echo exactly what you said, Easter Sunday at the Diamond uh, was just so much fun, so so lively, and you guys did some amazing things on Sunday, which you often do, but there was live throwing with family members on the field. Yeah. There's Easter egg giveaway, the run in the bases after the game. It was a great experience. Sunday's always, to me, just feels right. Like First of all, like doing this so many years, and this will sound a little selfish, but anytime we can have a night you know, where – People can go out to dinner with their families, or you can just go home. A lot of our staff members just went home and went to sleep at 6 o'clock, right? Uh, and, and I think having a night is, is really important to the people that work in this industry. We're, if you think about it, we're basically second shift workers. Yeah. You know, like we yeah. work when you when you leisure, when yeah. you recreate with your family. So having uh, a day game on Sunday, Sundays are special. Easter Sunday, a lot of teams opt not to play on Easter Sunday. So a lot of teams in our industry opened up on Thursday. Uh, we decided to open up on Friday because we wanted to have a Friday night opener, and then we we felt like we were going to do okay on Easter Sunday, and we did. In retrospect, we, you and I were just talking off off the mic about when things happen, and then you look back on me like, oh, man, I'm glad that happened, right? <laughs> so we chose to open up Friday. If we had not and been like some other teams and opened up on Thursday, we would have had back-to-back rainouts. Yep. Uh, so I'm really grateful now that, that we made that decision. And Sunday was – it just felt right. Sunday felt right. Parney, you gave a perfect segue. And when we talk That's about – That's my job, Cheats. Things, and when we talk about things in retrospect, because one of the things that we've talked about uh, at Nauseam offline, but I want to talk about it – uh, on the podcast, so everybody can under- understand, is we all know now that we have a new stadium coming. All the 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 eyes are dotted, the T's are crossed. All the legislative stuff with the city council and the mayor's office uh, is done, and a new stadium is coming, and we're very very excited about it. You'd mentioned that in retrospect, you feel like now is a kind of almost the perfect time, almost serendipitous time for this to happen as to, you know, previous mayors, previous administrations years ago. Why do you feel that way, and how excited are we to get this well, new stadium? Well, first of all, let me just let me stop you by saying that I will, I will re- only be relieved when they hand me the key. Like, 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 <laughs> whenever it is, whenever it is that they say, I'm cashing checks over here. Here's the certificate of occupancy. Here's your key. Then I'll be like, whoo, we did it. But what I think I said earlier, and I'm a, I'm a true believer, 
Um, we we are a different organization having to have gone through this last 13 years, and it'll be 15 years or whatever by the time we get into the new ballpark. But but we are stronger because of having to figure out this place. I mean, right above your head is an empty ceiling tile because it rained Thursday and Friday. And when I got to the ballpark Friday morning, I literally got to the ballpark at 3 a.m. to start doing TV interviews for opening day, and I walked in to a floor that had – ceiling tile all over it because through uh, overnight the rain had so we've learned I, I didn't complain about it I just got a broom and I picked it up and, and, and I think that it's moments like that where uh, we grow through uncomfortable times we grow through if we would have been handed a ballpark in 2011 or 2012 I truly don't believe that this organization would be as strong as it is today so I'm grateful that we have had the front office staff and the ownership and the fan base to battle through these adverse conditions. I'm also hopeful and looking forward to what uh, the gratitude that we will have when we walk into the new place. So and it's, it's amazing to me to see people like yourself and the extra step, pep in your step that you have just from knowing that we're almost there, right? And and we're looking forward to to getting there, but we're also embracing the times. Like, well, I'd be happy when we blow this up. Hell yeah, I'll be happy when we blow this place <laughs> up. But 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 I don't. I think I'm a better person and a better professional because of having had this job here at the Diamond for so long. I know. I I understand exactly what you're saying. I agree with it. I was thinking about this on the way here. Mayors come and go. <laughs> City council members come and go. Hell, for you, presidents have come and gone. And it always seemed that everyone knew what needed to be done, and just getting there was the difficult part. You waged through all of this with unrelenting support, obviously for a new stadium, but un unrelenting support for the community, the fans, the city of Richmond. Going through that and now getting to, like I said, it's not done yet, but getting to where we are now – when you do see the fans, when you do see, you know, people that have helped you along the way to get to this point, like, how how does that feel? How excited is that? It means everything to me. It means everything to me uh, and to us as an organization. Like, I, I say it all the time, and I might even said this during part one, mm -hmm. uh, but Richmond is a special place full of special people doing special things. The culture and the atmosphere is unmatched. Uh, and I'm talking internally and externally, uh, the feelings that we had at the ballpark. And so, you know, the fan base, your, your, your listeners to your podcast, like know that when you walk up to the diamond and you go to somebody like me and say, thank you for all you're doing, that is gasoline to our engine. That fuels our fire. Because what we do is it, is it easy. I mean, uh, like Friday, I literally was at this ballpark for 23 hours. 23 hours uh, and I'm old now cheats so so it, it, it it's tough to re-energize and that's kind of what I'm getting work done today but but I'm, I'm really trying to to go through all the notes that I made over the weekend and pass those along to Ben Rothrock and Ben Terry and Anthony Opperman and our staff so that we can continue to grow controlling your controllables I think is the basic principle that we followed over the last 13 years. We haven't controlled the politics and we still don't control the politics. Uh, we haven't controlled the new ballpark and we still really don't control the new ballpark. 
But we do control our promotions, our culture, the way we treat our fans. Like, like it's not all perfect. We had bumps in the road even over the weekend. I'm sure that there were there are fans that maybe even are listening to your podcast that had something happen to them. We want to fix that. And so we show up every day trying to control our own controllables and have a positive attitude. You don't only control two things in life, in my opinion. That's your attitude and your effort. And we've always tried to be league leaders in those departments. Whenever I talk to baseball people, I love to get their perspective on two things. Camaraderie and competition. I, we Everybody that's ever met you that's here in this podcast know how big you are on camaraderie. Uh, the people that work for you, the, like you said, the community at large, the, the team that plays uh, here. How big are you on competition in the sense of is we obviously the squirrels made the playoffs first half champions yeah. last year in the Eastern League, but is that something that keeps you up at night or is that it, it, you kind of let that go to the to the other folks? Now you just gave me a great segue because I just mentioned controlling the controllables in the minor leagues. We don't control who's in that clubhouse over to your right and my left. The Giants control that. However, we do love the competition because we love those guys. Dennis Pelfrey has become one of my closest friends on the planet in just over a year. You know, this time last year, I was telling him about what restaurants to go to. He had no idea, right? And, and now he's, he's truly one of my closest friends. I want Pelf to win games for Pelf. I want Matt Frisbee and Brandon Martiramo and the guys uh, across the hallway to have success in competition for themselves. Now, it also helps our culture externally if somebody's sitting at lunch and supper right now having lunch talking about the squirrels being undefeated. Mm-hmm. That's good for everybody, right? So, uh, and, and, and there's different competition on the front office side. One of the things, I haven't done it yet today, but one of the things I do almost every day, every day in, during the season, I look at what other teams in the Eastern League had attendance-wise. Mm-hmm. I want to win. I want to win the attendance battle. I want Richmond to be first in attendance. Now, last year, we were first in all of double-A baseball, which in a ballpark that was built in 1984, it's like Houdini stuff, it's right? Feat. Right. So, so we're competitive in that. We want to beat everybody in attendance, and we want to have the largest and the best fan base. And so that's our, our kind of competition that we have on the front office side. But we want these guys to win games because – that's good for business, but it's also good for them, and we love them. And, and it's what's really fun for me is we're, what, a week into this since the players got here? We had two two brand-new players came in. One guy pitched yesterday for the first time, and he's just like, this place, is it's already my favorite place, right? And that's our goal. I tell the players, Pelf lets me speak to the players, and I told them last Tuesday, I said, our goal, Ben Rothrock's goal, Ben Terry, Anthony Opperman, our entire front office staff, Carney Bragg, Hannah DeFrank, whoever you are, our goal is for these guys to leave here, go to the next level and say, Richmond, Virginia is a favorite, my favorite place I ever played. It's, it's one thing to have a culture that's established and does well. It's a whole different environment as a fan. Last year was so exciting, especially the first half, because yeah. we were winning. We were in a hunt. Yeah. We're we're seeing the videos of us popping champagne yeah. when 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 they clinch, you yeah. know. And it's it is. I think it does make for a difference in in community like communication pieces and giving people to t- something to talk about. And so it's it's really really awesome. Let me ask you this. Can I interrupt you? Just oh yeah, yeah absolutely. It, it, it's another tool, right? It's yeah. another tool that we have if we're winning. And people are talking about us at Moore Street Cafe for yep. breakfast. That's another tool for us 
to gain steam in this locomotive that's called the Richmond Flying Squirrel. So that's a good thing. Uh, and I, I feel it already. I mean, I know I'm sitting here, we're undefeated. We're 3-0, <laughs> and right? We're all trying. Right, right. But, but, but it's different. I, I was quoted last year saying this team smelled different right from the start, and I'm feeling the same exact way. And Pelf's got a bottle of champagne I bought him last year. He hasn't opened it yet. And I said, Pelf, why, why didn't you open that when we clinched? He goes, because we didn't win the championship. I'm saving that for the championship. Parney, you are a tremendous leader, and you've been doing this for a long time. When, when you think of people that have that have done the job that you have done, or, or you know, even doing the job that you you're doing now, who has been kind of your north stars? The people that you would look to and say, "Man, that that Bill Vec from the Cleveland Indians, he got it right," or you know, another president of operations, general manager. Uh, there's different styles everywhere you go. And and I always look at people that are like, you know, I, I love the Vec reference from the Cleveland Indians back in the 50s and 60s because that guy literally changed the way we mm-hmm. look at fandom and experience at a baseball park. But who, who have been your people that you've looked to and said, these guys do it right? Well, there's a ton. Probably probably too many to even say, and I, I'm, I'm fearful of leaving somebody out. But <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned Vec. Yep. Well, uh, a lot of people have have said to me through the years, you're, you're like a modern-day Bill Vec. It's a great compliment. For people right? that don't know, that's it's a great a compliment. compliment. And yep. Lou DiBella bought me the book, Vec as in Wreck. And he found it somewhere, and it was literally autographed by Bill Vec. That's I have, have it in my office. His son, ironically, Mike Vec, became a close personal friend. He run he owns the Charleston River, River Dogs, yep. and he was in charge of disco demolition in Chicago in 1976. That went terribly wrong, uh, but 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 you know, look, a shot not taken is a shot missed. And I think as an executive and as a leader, uh, you need to keep taking those shots. And we don't get everything right. I'm always I'm always the person that admits that the Richmond Flying Squirrels are not perfect. But we're going to keep shooting the ball. Chuck Domino is an executive in minor league baseball. He obviously, along with Lou DiBella, brought me here. He's somebody that that I still look up to. Uh, and uh, and Lou's been a great influence on my career. Like Lou's a different dude. He's a different cat. Uh, but he is also one of the most uh, intelligent people I've ever met. Like you don't get a graduate degree from law school at Harvard if you're if you're not smart, mm-hmm. right? And Lou Lou graduated at the top of his class. Another person, uh, um, uh, Ryan McGee just wrote a book uh, called Here Comes the Circus. I think is it, I might have the name wrong, but the Circus of Minor League Baseball. And it's about his, his one year as an intern for the Asheville Tourists back in the early 90s. His general manager was a guy named Ron McKee. I loved Ron McKee. He recently passed away. So Ron McKee's another one. And then, like, there's a, just a real um, – um, you know, group of people, and there's probably, you know, three dozen of those for me that have been doing this. We call ourselves lifers, right? And and there's always, you can always pick up the phone and call my buddy in El Paso, Brad Taylor, who ironically went to Randolph-Macon, so he keeps a close eye on us. So there's there's tons of people like that. J.J. Gotch, who, who, who runs Nolan, or ran Nolan Ryan's team, now he just left to join... Uh, professional bull riding there's a group of people that we during covid we'd have friday night happy hours on zoom (laughs) and and it it was like therapy sessions because we all go through the same and i think no matter what you do in life 
if you're a leader, you need to have people like that. Like I'm sure in your profession, sure. you, you have people that you can call that have worked, you know, in the political realm. And, and so you have to have that. You cannot do this alone. And, and as a leader, uh, being able to bounce things off of other people is incredibly important. What is the? I did a great job of not answering that you question. Did great. You great. No, you named names and everything. What's the best advice you've ever received about leading other people? Uh, listen twice as much as you talk. You got two ears and one mouth. And and one of the things that I struggle with as a person is is uh, you know I'm loud, Cheech. You know this. I'm loud. I'm outgoing. I wear the crazy pants, and people automatically stereotype me as someone who doesn't listen. Uh, also observe. If you see me walk around the ballpark, uh, which I do every game, I always have a note card in my back pocket, and I and I write down, I'll probably write 50 to 75 notes down. Things like let, yesterday I noticed one of our outfield billboards was, wasn't as clean as I wanted it to be. So we got to clean that before the next homestead. I think, I think just making sure that you're in the moment, you listen, and you observe, and you see things that other people can't see, and then you have the courage to implement those in a, in a way. Like It's just like being a coach. Some players need to be kicked at the rear end. Some players need a hug. In, in our staff, there's certain employees that, that, that if, if, if we need to talk to them, it, they, need, they need to have their arm around them. Then there's other ones that they ain't going to listen to you unless you got a size 13 right up in their rear end, right? So I think that's part of leadership too. But for me, I, I really think you know changing with the times is incredibly important. 1990, when I first started, and Chuck Domino was my GM, we came to the ballpark every day at 8 o'clock, whether there was a game or not a game, you reported at 8 o'clock. And if there was a game, you worked until 11 o'clock, and then guess what? You were back in the office at 8 o'clock. Now I've observed and I've listened. We have different report times. We give people more off days. Like this generation of minor league executive would would rather have time. Our office is closed today. It's Monday. Our office is closed because they need time. They need time to themselves to do simple stuff like laundry or to go to a movie or whatever. But people want time. And if you give them that time in this day and age – they will perform better for you as a minor league front office. And so that's just an example. No, I got to ask this because I we've talked about this in the past, uh, even just in casually talking about it. The party we see today in 2023 is not necessarily the party you would have seen. And when did you say 1990 or, or, yeah. or whatever? You talked about the evolution of even just executives, young people working in the front office or so forth. But there's a lot of folks that are resistant to change. Yeah. How have you been able to kind of make – and was it easy? Was it hard? How were you able to make that adjustment, and was it difficult for you? It's, it's, it changes for the good of everyone, mm-hmm. right? And, and if you keep doing the same thing you've always done, you keep getting the results you always got. It's the definition of insanity, <laughs> right, right? Right, So, you know, I, I – um, you know, my kids were both here. Over the weekend, which made my weekend. Uh, oh, the, my oldest, oldest daughter, Lindsay, surprised me, and Sammy, I knew she was coming, and Madison works here. So, um, you know, one of the things I take great, one of the best comments that my kids have ever said is, we are so proud of how you've grown, mm. and you've changed things, and, and it's not your way or the highway. And, you know, we want people to stay here. Like, I want Carney 
to be a 15, 20-year employee of the Richmond Flying Squirrels. He's 23 years old. He's got a hugely great future ahead of him. My role now as a CEO is to establish a place, a new ballpark, a place where people like Carney want to work here for the next 15, 20, 25 years. Like, I want to have somebody have a retirement party after I'm dead and gone uh, <laughs> and say, say I worked for the Richmond Flying Squirrels for 33 seasons or whatever it might be, sure. right? That That's the kind of – and you can't do that if you don't listen and observe. Now, that doesn't also mean, Cheats, that I'm going to do everything I, I, I see or hear, right? Like, sure. like there's still – my gut has to tell me that this is right or wrong for the betterment of the organization. That's the, that's the decision I have to make. But you can you can see from somebody's body language, you know, if they're tired, you know, or or if they're uh, in this industry, you you have to understand what's going on at home because we're not at home a lot, right? So yesterday in the bistro, uh, if you look down there, it was all of our families. You know, you know why? Because it was Easter Sunday, and because we had a game, Ben Terry couldn't be with his family on Easter Sunday. So we brought the families to the employees. Yep, I met Easter some Sunday. lovely, lovely family members as yeah. well. So, so I, I, I think those are some of the things. And and you know, when somebody, I think it was, uh, I don't remember who it was, Chiefs, but somebody on our staff recently said to me that that they're proud of the changes that I have made, not only professionally but personally, and and. As tough as COVID was and as much therapy as COVID cost me, uh, I think COVID for me personally and professionally has has changed me in a way that I, I like myself a whole lot more after COVID. That sounds kind of weird, but but, no, I, I, but I just do because COVID taught me perspective. Look, before that, I was all minor league baseball all the time. Sure. And then we were sitting at dinner one night during COVID having an awesome dinner, just me and Tanya. I go... Is this really what people do? You get used to this. They like have dinner and they have a conversation. And I ask you, how are you doing? And you tell me how you do. I said, this is wild stuff. I I never like like I my whole life has been um, orchestrated and defined by a pocket schedule. And so COVID taught me that there's other ways to do things like I people complain about Zoom. I don't mind Zoom. Because it, it helps me to connect with you even if we can't be in the same place. So I think there's a, there, you just got to be open to change, and you, then you got to make the right decisions about what to change and what not to change. Uh, but I really – one of the reasons that you and I are sitting in Party's Pub, people think I have Party's Pub open because I like to drink. Well, Cheats, I do, I, do like, I do like to imbibe in an occasional beverage. Every once in a while. But I sit right there after most games, and I do a lot more listening than I do talking. I want to hear what the first-year employees saying across the hall. That now, for for our employees that are listening to the Chiefs Movement podcast, I'm not spying on you, <laughs> but I learn a lot by listening what people say in this room after games. So I just it's just little things like that that become big things. Parney, we're gonna have to leave it there. But uh, what just are we hear, doing, part three? Just hearing <laughs> you and and knowing uh, the type of person you are and the type of leader you have been, Richmond. The book title has got to be like the evolution of Parney or something <laughs> of that that nature because it is um, a fascinating story and you may not other people will tell you you may not be fully aware of it and 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 somebody that's that's met you in, in the last couple of years is not fully aware of it as well but the what you're describing is not easy stuff I mean people pay millions of dollars 
to even come into the awareness and the understanding of, I'll tell people this all the time, knowledge of self is key. You know who you are first, and then you can kind of help change things and help other people and so forth. I think leaders, really good ones, have to have a strong understanding of who they are before they can effectively lead other people. And you've proven uh, year after year, plus 30 Plus now, and I think 34, 34. You said, we just started 34 uh, to yeah. be to be a tremendous leader of people, leader of men and women, uh, and obviously a leader of a franchise. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is Parney. Uh, if you're out at the at the diamond, you'll see him in the Parney pants. Please come up and say hello. You have a event coming up. Uh, I will only say later this month, April 16th, with our good buddy, uh, Micah Bam Bam White. Quickly tell everybody what that is. Yeah, so uh, something Bam, Bam Bam and I wanted to do is called Story Time with Parney and Bam, and we're going to be doing it at the <laughs> Richmond Music Hall on April the 16th, 7 p.m. You can go to richmondmusichall.com. To get tickets, we're only going to sell 125 tickets. That's a sellout. I haven't even checked to see how many tickets we have sold. Get them while you can. Uh, but but I but I hope that people join us. It's something that Bam and I want to do. We're just going to tell stories, cheats. Just it like be great. It, you're you're one of the best storytellers I have ever been around, and I know those stories are going to be phenomenal. Uh, likewise with uh, Bam, so it's going to be a lot of fun. I hope so. Thanks for having me on your show. I love it. We're going to do it uh, all early and often. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Cheats Movement Podcast. Until next time. We see it. Have fun, go nuts. Yeah. Yo, yo, I'm trying to play leaving. Right. See you at the end, bro.